1: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't miss events while supplies last make every tap
2: music to your ears. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited two percent cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn on what you want, like trying out that new workout class, and two percent cash rewards on what you need, like a foam roller.
1: Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything.
3: The Volume.
2: The 3NOW podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. Great odds and markets for baseball, the NBA, NHL, PGA Tour, and so much more. Awesome new and existing user promotions, America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure, you get your winnings fast, I cannot recommend it enough, love gambling with FanDuel, if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now, sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. <laughs> What is going on, everybody? John Middlecoff, 3 and Out podcast. How are we doing? What is up? How is life? Uh, Just watched a little bit of the Giants-Patriots. Went on Collins' podcast, so you can listen. We we BS'd about some football stuff there. Uh, Recorded most of this podcast earlier in the day, a lot of football stuff. But wanted to just see, I, I guess, maybe Belichick. I don't think he did, but I was hoping to see Mac Jones and uh, Patricia get a little work together, but it turned out to be Hoyer and Daniel Jones and, and Dayball. I don't even know why I waited. I, I guess I didn't need to, but a lot of other football stuff coming up. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, the Hard Knocks, I, I'm in. Hard Knocks, I, I'm in. You should be too. A fantastic first episode. Joe Douglas, something I saw with the Bears and Uberflus. Maybe scratch my head. And then a bunch of other stuff in the NFL. Uh if you uh let's see, where would I want to go? Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff is my Instagram fire in those DMs. Get your question answered here there on the show. Also, uh, if you listen on Collins feed, make sure you subscribe to the three and out feed. Greatly appreciate that. We'll have a mailbag this weekend at John Middlecoff is the Instagram fire in those DMs. But I I I guess. Nothing really happened. I mean, the game's technically going on while I'm recording this. And I've had a lot of people shoot me theories like Belichick needed kind of a fall guy uh, once Josh left that he can, uh, you know, blame it on Patricia, even if he, quote unquote, technically is the offensive play caller. Uh, I I don't know if I necessarily believe that one because you see him on the sideline when the game was going on. He's not saying anything into his headset in terms of calling the play, I think it's pretty obvious that it's Patricia or Judge. I heard Albert Breer's one theory is that, you know, within the walls, one reason he didn't go get Bill O'Brien, because he was afraid if he hired Bill O'Brien from Nick Saban, and then they had some success, Bill O'Brien would just immediately become a head coach again. And he did the same thing with Elliot Wolf And the the guy grow that he made his GM you know, I, I don't put that past him. In the NFL, when someone gets fired, like Joe Judge, several years left on his contract, if you give him some title, like quarterback coach, you only have to pay him whatever the minimum is. Let's say that's 400 grand. So if Joe Judge is making 5 or $6 million, they cover Joe Judge's salary. I, I'm sure the Lions are still covering Matt Patricia's salary. So he is saving his owner a lot of money. Now, why would he care about that? Well, Belichick's never been into big staffs. Belichick's always had really, really small staffs. But here's a simple reality, and I I told Coward this. There are going to be certain people in any business, whether it's a uh, podcast platform, whether it's a sales job, or whether it's a coaching staff, that are more vital than others. And Belichick has lost... Uh, you could argue some of his most vital people he's ever had in New England. Josh McDaniels, Ernie Adams, Pink Stripes, and Dante Like Those guys aren't replaceable. Just because Matt Patricia is intelligent doesn't mean he can do what Ernie Adams does. And last year, that was Matt Patricia's job, was to replace Ernie Adams. Ain't nobody replacing Ernie Adams. Now, Josh McDaniels, I, I keep saying this. Like, part of being an offensive play caller, let's look at the top offensive play callers in the league. Andy Reid, Sean Payton. I know he retired. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay. Andy Reid's been calling offensive plays for decades. Sean Payton, same thing. Kyle Shanahan, who's like 44 years, 43 years old, has been calling plays now for like 12 or 13 seasons. Do you know how long of a time that is to calling plays? The ebb and the flow? There's a difference between just Doing a play in practice. Hey, guys, everyone learn this play. You do this, you do that. We block it this way. Running back does this. Quarterback, here's your reads. There's another thing to ha- install plays and then the ebb and flow of calling the plays in the games. And to think that Matt Patricia could just go 15 years as a defensive coach, DB coach, linebacker coach, defensive line or DB, uh, defensive coordinator, and understand the ebb and flow of a play caller is just insane. He might understand individual plays and even how to coach them up, but to know how to coach them on game day and when to call them throughout a game, throughout a season, like Kyle Shanahan says, said, he sets up plays in games for later in the season, which I'm sure Andy Reid, which I'm sure Sean McVay, which I'm sure LaFleur's doing, which all the good offensive coordinators all around the league, Kingsbury with his offense I'm sure does, Like, that's what you do as a play caller. And you don't get better at anything without more experience doing it. But to create, and listen, someone you have to become an offensive coordinator eventually for the first time, right? Mike McDaniel with the Dolphins is calling plays in the NFL for the first time in his career. So he's going to learn kind of a little on the job. But he has been involved on that side of the ball, I don't know, for a decade, drawing plays, installing plays, listening to the logic throughout the game with Kyle, Same thing with LaFleur with the Jets. So to think that you can just flip the side of the ball and then go to the hardest part of that side of the ball, which is the play calling, is insanity. I don't necessarily have a theory. I just can't wrap my head around it. Now, ultimately, if they had Bill Walsh, would they be that good? Their offensive line is a major question mark. Their playmakers are pretty questionable. Uh, They do have Belichick, and their defense should be solid. So are they going to be competitive? Of course they are. But am I shorting them because Matt Patricia is their offensive coordinator? Assuming that is what's really happening, which you never know with New England because they can be very cloak and dagger. I am. Uh, And I I think that, and I know people that have been with the Patriots that think, like, it was going to run out of juice eventually. And what turns out, like, it actually didn't totally run out of juice when Tom left. I mean, they won 11 games, made the playoffs last year. Like, if you keep making the playoffs, like, that is successful for 90% of teams. But do you know what's going to be ultimately their downfall? Is Bill ran out of coaches. He just ran out of coaches. He doesn't want to hire outside the organization, which you could say that's always worked for him. But eventually, when you run out of young up-and-comers, you got to do something. You got to fill a role. Now, he would say, I don't like bringing people in that don't understand the way we do it, which I, I I do understand. But just because a guy knows the culture of your building, if he doesn't know how to do his job, what the hell is the point? You know, who cares that he knows, you know, where the coffee is and that what the way coaches are supposed to speak to players and, you know, whatever he demands of his staff. If the guy can't do his job, which I don't know how anyone could possibly think that Patricia could be an offensive play caller, there's just no way around it, that it's not going to work. Okay, let's dive into Rodgers. I'm sure like many of you Packer fans follow the Packers on social media and end up on their YouTube page sometimes. And uh, I ended up... And I I never watch an individual player's at-his-locker video of him talking to the media. Because I would say, for the most part, especially quarterbacks, it has turned into just a walking, talking cliché. And it's very boring. You and I can basically say what quarterbacks are going to say in front of their locker or at the podium before it's said. Because it's not worth it for them to be candid, to be honest. Now, the worst is Russell Wilson, who I mentioned, I think, last week that, you know, someone told me, in fairness to Russell, that's how he acts normally. He's always kind of robotic. And then there's, you know, I think Brady has kind of morphed it. You know, he's not quite the Bill Belichickian Patriot quarterback from twenty years, but he's not giving you much. Uh, he, he knows what he's doing, and the young guys, you know, I, I think they're for, they're pretty careful and rightfully so. I, I don't blame them. But I watched Rodgers for twenty minutes in front of his locker uh, earlier this week. Give one of the better just interviews. I mean, he uh, getting asked questions from all sorts of people that I, I've seen in a long time, and I said it earlier in this week about his headspace. And where he's at, there's a happiness to him. I, I I think he is very. I don't even know quite how to put it. Just unfazed by everything, and just in a good place. Uh, he, he just he, he talked about it all from personnel stuff to the team to the scheme to Jordan Love. It was just a fantastic display of a guy who at this point in time in his career knows he's the best player in the league, and it's just very comfortable. Because I, I say this all the time about football: like, what are you hiding? Whenever coaches hide, like, I I, I just, uh, we're going to keep the injury in-house. Like, bro, he tore his ACL. He's out for the season, you know? He shattered his ankle. We saw his bones sticking out of his leg, coach. He ain't coming back. But the, the people get very, very cryptic with what they say. And Rodgers, to me, it might be the best interview right now in the league. Uh, and you just watch him talk, you realize, one, his physical attributes as a player are obviously special But his knowledge of football is very, very high. (laughs) I mean, for a guy taking ayahuasca, peeing and pooping on himself in the wilderness, this guy is a uh, big time football intellect. And I just want to say I I I really enjoyed and I do enjoy listening to him talk about football personnel, about the defense. It it was fantastic. Highly recommend it. You Packer fans, you're lucky. I mean, he's just, I mean, you get a unique. Uh, personality who's willing to share stuff. Again, not top secret, just good football nuggets. And I, I remember, I, I, it would have been four or five years ago now, I don't know if it was Jimmy's last year or second to last year on the Patriots, being at the gym. And right around this time of year, being on the treadmill, you know, all these treadmills now have TVs. And uh, whenever a TV's not working, I get very mad. You know, I, I, I like, you know... Uh, cross-pollinating, being able to work out and being able to work. You know, I don't want to take my iPad. I want to be able to watch NFL Network, which my gym has. And I remember watching Jimmy Garoppolo, and when he was on the Patriots thinking, this guy looks fantastic. This guy, and there was already buzz by that time of different teams that wanted to trade for him. He was viewed as a future starting quarterback. Obviously, Bill thought that. And then after the preseason happened, i pretty sure it was the second, maybe his third year, people started buzzing about him because it was clear. You're like, well, this guy's really good. And the bottom line is when you're a backup quarterback, for the most part, unless you're backing up Jimmy Garoppolo, most quarterbacks, like Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Mahomes, Josh Allen, these guys don't miss much time. For the first time, Lamar missed games. Justin Herbert hasn't missed a game. Ideally, your starter never comes out, right? He's going to play potentially... You know, for years on end, he made Russell Wilson for the first time in his career last year missed a game because of a finger. So you, you always rely, and the reason you pay these guys the big bucks is to play every game. These guys are not defensive linemen; they're not DBs; they're not pulling hammies, unless something weird happens. Like it's it's very possible that your starting quarterback is not going to miss a game for a long, long time. So unlike other positions, like even if you're the third wide receiver on the Niners or the Cowboys or the backup defensive linemen on whoever, I not only can evaluate you off preseason games, there's always going to be regular season tape. Because if you're the third or fourth linebacker or, you know, the swing tackle, more than likely you are going to play. And depending on injuries, probably play a lot. Where a guy like Jordan Love, I mean, if it wasn't for last year, the immunization, he could go three, four, five years without us ever see him taking a regular season snap. And last year, he got to play in the one game against the Chiefs where I'm, I think the score was 13-7 to and they lost. And you remember uh, the visual at Arrowhead of Jordan Love's mom and his girlfriend at the top, like literally the top seat in the upper bowl. I mean, you you wouldn't have been able to see that with a sniper rifle scope. But that's where his parents, or that's where his mom and girlfriend was sitting. This is a big, big couple weeks for Jordan Love. Like, eventually, he's going to have to prove he's an asset. Now, whether that means for the Packers, because Rodgers can retire in a year, he's going to be my starting quarterback moving forward, or an asset where other teams view him as a starting quarterback, and I can flip him. Now, Jimmy is the most recent guy, but there have been others. I remember Matt Schaub a long time ago. When your backup turns into value, it gives you so many options. Because so many teams are always looking for quarterbacks. And here's the thing. In a draft, I have to project. Well, if you have success against other pros, there is way less projecting. I see you do it. Now, I was intrigued, like the Packers. I don't know if I would have taken him in the first round. But I, I watched enough of Jordan Love at Utah State in the clips to go, the size, the, the arm strength. Uh, had heard good things about the guy. It was like, yeah, he's a very, very intriguing prospect. Well, so far, to me, he has no value around the league. And if in these next three weeks, he can put good tape together, he's playing the 49er defense, which, as of right now, recording this on Thursday, I I do believe Kyle is going to play a bunch of starters. Now, how long, I don't know. But even their backups are pretty good. So if he can have touchdown drives against a real defense, That's going to be impressive because one thing Rodgers, he was getting asked a lot of questions on Jordan Love. Like, what do you think everyone, what are the coaches looking for? And he said more than touchdown drives, it's more about execution, getting in the right checks, getting them in the right looks against certain defenses. And that's true from a Packers standpoint. But from a league standpoint, I want to watch this guy make plays. I want to watch this guy make throws. I want to watch this guy complete tough passes. Eventually, he's going to have to do that. And the the quicker he does that, if he ever does, that's a good thing for the Packers because it gives them options. Right now, they have no options. If he had to start, they wouldn't be very good, at least based on what we've seen before. And he has no trade value. Now, th- that can change fast. I'm not saying he could just turn into, like, what Jimmy Garoppolo was from the Patriots overnight. But I'll promise you this. He starts throwing some touchdowns. He starts running around and making some plays. He'll, his value goes zero to 60 pretty quick big news FanDuel has an all new mobile gaming app FanDuel Faceoff FanDuel Faceoff is where you compete in quick fun games against other real people for real cash it has all sorts of games that you're familiar with like a home run derby wheel of fortune puzzle and strategy games with more on the way contests are action packed and last between two to five minutes so you can play it on your couch Waiting in line, during commercial breaks, wherever and on your schedule. Whatever it be, head-to-head, multiplayer, or large tournaments, FanDuel Faceoff has something for you. Plus, in most contests, you'll be matched against players of similar skill level, so you'll never be totally outmatched. Even as a beginner, Faceoff is also tied to your FanDuel account and wallet, so you can easily use your daily fantasy funds or sportsbooks winnings in the app. Visit fanduel.com Colin to download the FanDuel Faceoff app, and get in the game. Age and location restrictions apply. Void where prohibited. See www.FanDuel.com faceoff terms for terms and conditions.
0: Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, The cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
2: This is
3: it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary
2: Wi-Fi? Oh, my! Look at that! He is... And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win.
1: Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex.
2: Joe Douglas. I said it earlier this week. I've said it. It's been a theme of this show and really the way I look about life. I admire... And support people taking big swings. To me, that is the way to handle a- any line of work, any business. Swing for the fences. Now, depending on where you at in your career, there is a time in the place. I'm not talking about being reckless, but when an opportunity presents itself, I have no problem. I, I wouldn't say throwing a Hail Mary, but you know, trying to hit a big play, <laughs> trying to hit a home run. Trying to 10-bagger in the stock market. I get it. And uh, most people that I look up to fall under that category of a willingness willingness to do that type stuff. Now, just because you have a willingness to do it and just because you do it does not mean it's always going to work. For every big-time trade that works out like Matt Stafford, there have been a lot of them that have gone the other way. I admired when the Jets a long time ago traded up from whatever to pick three. I think it was six to three to get Sam Darnold. Thought it was a genius move. Disaster turns out. Sam Darnold is about to be on his third team in like three years. So just because you do something aggressively does not mean that the ROI is going to work out in your favor. And I don't know Joe Douglas personally. Never met the guy. Know a lot of guys because of his time. In Chicago, but definitely the Eagles that know him and like him. A lot of people really, really respect him. And I would say these last two years, it looks like he's drafted really, really well. Uh, the picks this year, I've heard Bryce Hall is fantastic. Uh, their two top 10 picks, obviously I've heard are really good. Don't know much about the pass rush for their third first round pick. Last year, uh, Elijah Moore is a stud. Love that guy. Uh, Verrett Tucker Stud. Love that guy. Jury's out on Zach Wilson, but they have put a lot around him and given him the opportunity now with uh, the Ohio State wide receiver, with Moore, with the running backs to have a chance. But the year before, I guess, you know, his first year on the job, he got really, really aggressive and he basically had two options. He was going to take an offensive lineman. There was Tristan Wirfs, who I think was viewed ironically because he's turned out to be like an all pro. As a safer pick. And then there was a Makai Becton. A guy that felt like if you hit on him, he could be a Hall of Famer. And I always tend to lean on doing that high in a draft. You know, I got no problem trying to hit doubles after, you know, the first 50 picks. But But high in a draft, I like swinging for the fences. And I understood why he took this player. You know, despite him weighing at some points in time, 370 pounds. Because the way you describe a great offensive tackle is a dancing bear. It basically symbolizes... Have you ever seen grizzly bears? Type in YouTube, grizzly bears. (laughs) I mean, they can run, they can move, they can jump, they can climb trees. They're freaks. And they got power, and they got agility. (laughs) I mean, they they are... I would take a polar bear probably against any any non-hippo. Take them against the tiger... I would take him against the lion. Uh, I'd take the polar bear against the grizzly strictly because the polar bear is bigger. But I think when we talk about a dancing bear in a football draft room, we're probably more talking about a grizzly. And that's what Mackay Becton was. It was like, this dude weighs 370 pounds. He moves like a linebacker. He's a freak. But sometimes when you're really heavy, remember this with Zion, it's like, is it a red flag? And you never truly know. It's why you try to get to know the person because it's like, well, is this guy like addicted to junk food? Is this guy lazy in the weight room? Or is this guy just big boned? And you know, if you get him in the right situation, the right discipline, he'll be fine. But here's a simple reality. It turned out last year he was very lazy. He got out of shape and he essentially got benched. I don't blame injuries on people. Like that there is some stuff out of your control, but last year was a disaster. And this year, and no fault of his own, he's now injured and he's out for the season. So you basically, two of your first three years with this guy are zeros, are duds. And the other guy that you could have had at the same position is an all-pro, is zero issues, super, I mean, he's just one of the stalwarts of one of the better teams in the league in Tristan Worfs. So I'm all for taking the big swings. But sometimes, and this is how you get criticized as a GM, when you take a big swing, because you pass on the safer choice, and then it turns out that the safer choice's ceiling is all pro, it's a disaster. And that's ultimately what this Makai Becton situation has turned in for Joe Douglas. A disaster. Now, you could argue last year was Makai Becton's fault, this year's not. Regardless, injuries happen, and they reflect, because your ability is reflected by your availability, and right now this guy's not available at all. And I think Joe Douglas, ultimately his career as a general manager, as a guy who's highly compensated, one of the highest paid GMs in the league, will come down to, is Zach Wilson good or is Zach Wilson not good? Period, point blank, end of story. But a way to make him good is to surround him with a lot of good players. And it was looking like, God, their offensive line was going to be good. They were going to be able to run the ball. They have weapons. And now they don't. And they're they're missing him. Uh, for the rest of the season, they had to sign Dwayne Brown. So, you know, t- time will tell how this all shakes out. But that pick, not good. I, I said last year that I was done with hard knocks. It was dead to me. No moss. I, I, I couldn't take it. Uh, I thought the Cowboys hard knocks was the worst I'd ever seen. And looking back, it might have just been because of Mike McCarthy. It was just, it was a rough watch because I thought it was really boring. Now, I've acknowledged that what we used to get, like when I was in high school and in college in the early 2000s, that kind of inspired me to want to get to the NFL, when they would go to the personnel meetings, and it would be the coaches and the scouts, and they'd start going around talking about players, good and mostly bad. It was like this is sweet. This running back coach just shit on the third rounder. The head coach is blasting the left tackle. Like that's cuz that's real. I think all of us want with a reality television show and just with anything that for entertainment purposes, not on like movies, is some authenticity. Anything that's like any reality television, can you can you be authentic? Now I get why they cut that out. You can't have with social media the head coaches, the the scouts, the position coaches, just destroying these players when they're not in the meeting, even though that's what happens in the college and in pros. Like that those meetings happen and the raw and uncut version are not always pretty. But those are those are long gone. We're never getting that again. So I've acknowledged that. It's and then part of that is like I just thought that the hard knocks is gonna be cheesy from moving on forward. And I, I was okay. I understand. It's just not for me. And sometimes as you get older, whatever stuff's not for you anymore. It's the way the world works. But I was like, you know what? I find Dan Campbell pretty entertaining. Uh, when my first year with the Eagles, I was with Do Staley. We'll get into that in a second. I was like, I- I'm going to give it a try. I thought that the first episode of the Lions hard knocks is the best episode of hard knocks in half a decade, just from an entertainment standpoint. It was easy to watch. There wasn't that much cheesiness. There was a lot of football. There was a lot of football coaches coaching football. I just felt that they kind of kept the main thing the main thing. Now, they benefit from having a head coach who is tailor-made for Hard Knocks. And I want to start with Dan Campbell. Is is anyone going to confuse Dan Campbell on a whiteboard for Andy Reid, Sean McVay, or Kyle Shanahan? No. Obviously, not. I don't think Dan Campbell, when his career ends, good or bad, will be viewed as some schematic genius, right? The way, if you haven't had a chance, Seth Wickersham wrote this article on Sean McVeigh, stayed with him. It was good. But, you know, I, he's not. But that's okay. Because think about this I, I never get that caught up when someone tweets or puts on Instagram a family member. About a player, like I they're biased. They're gonna get angry about the way fans are perceiving, I don't know, their brother, their white or their husband or their son. Right? I I get it. Like I I give those people a break. Why? They view their significant other, their son, their their cousin, their brother through different lens than all of us. But I always think who believes in you professionally, because let's face it. In most big boy industries, we live in it's black and white. Do you produce? Do you get the job done? Do you make money for my company or do you not? Where in personal relationships, it's, you know, the healthy ones aren't about money. They're about I just like you for you. I'm in love with you. You're my son. I don't have a choice. I have to raise you. Or I did raise you. You're my you're mine, right? Where in a in a professional relationship, Like, if I have a partner with someone, they better bring something to the table, right? If I'm in business with someone, like, what are we doing to make money? It's just, it's very, it's why I like the business world. It's very cutthroat. There's not much, like, hand-holding. Are we getting it done or are we not? Are we going to continue this relationship or are we not? And in football coaching, no different than any of the industries that we all work in, it's like, if I'm going to hire a coach, if I'm a head coach and I'm going to hire assistants, I'm going to try to hire the best. Unless I'm Mark Jackson. Historically, Joe Lacob wanted to hire good coaches. He refused. Very insecure. That's why he's never sniffed a job since. But for the most part, good coaches, Belichick, you know, Joe Judge, Matt Patricia, that's a whole other thing. But most good head coaches want to hire the best assistants. And here are the two guys, and this really stood out to me during the hard knocks, that believed in Dan Campbell. The two guys, Bill Parcells. Who got him into coaching and elevated him up the ranks, and Sean Payton, who made him his assistant head coach and right hand man. Let me re- let me repeat, Bill Parcells, who is a Hall of Famer, and Sean Payton, who was just making 15 plus million dollars a year, who we all acknowledge will be the number one coaching option starting next year, every year moving forward, until he comes back. It won't even be close. Who's a Super Bowl champion? Who's a high, high level NFL coach? Those are the two guys that believed in Dan Campbell. So I, I do value when high level people believe in others. And we can make fun of Dan Campbell. He's a little meatheady. He can say some things that, like, what? Wait, one ass cheek, two toes. What, what's he talking about? Goes over my head a little bit. But I do think there is an authenticity to him. When you watch him in front of the team, uh, I I don't know his schematic knowledge, but I don't think this guy is some village idiot that sometimes people make him out to be. Because Bill Parcells and definitely Sean Payton, who I would say is more of a schematic academic than Parcells, who really kind of feels, and I'm not comparing Dan Campbell saying he's the coach Bill Parcells, but Bill Parcells wasn't a scheme guy. That's what he had Belichick for. Bill Parcells was a tough guy was the motivator, was the leader. So when you are that guy, you're very dependent, Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh, on your assistant coaches. And here's what I'll say about his assistant coaches. I'm a big believer in when it comes to an assistant coach, I don't think you can just make an overall judgment in a short period of time on how good a position coach is or just how much he yells. But I do think there are certain guys, when you're around them, your takeaway is like, yeah, this guy has it. My first year with the Eagles in 2010, I was the lowest guy in the totem pole. Well, they also from a coaching standpoint in a, in the personnel department. Well, the coaching staff does the same thing. They have these things called like training camp interns. And sometimes, you know, former or former players that want to get into coaching, they kind of gravitate toward uh, back to guys that they played for and those guys give them an opportunity. Andy Reid made a, has made continues to make a career out of doing that. Deuce Daly, Doug Peterson, Mike Kafka. Uh, I'm sure there are a ton of guys I'm missing. And he gives them opportunities to kind of come back at the lowest level. And for Deuce, he was just coming as a training camp intern. It was so clear about two practices in the training camp, like this guy has it. He went nowhere. And he kept him on for the season. And the rest is history. He then was on the Eagle staff for basically the next decade until he went with the Lions last year. But... Anyone who's spent any time around Deuce Staley, whether you've coach with him or you've worked on the personnel side on his team, the dude's big time. <laughs> like, he's the real deal. And it's not shocking to me that Dan Campbell made him his assistant head coach. So I, I give Dan Campbell, like, he's got a pretty good feel for Aaron Glenn, who I'm pretty sure was on the same staff for a while. Also pretty highly thought of by Sean Payton. So when I look at Dan Campbell... And I look at some of the coaches he's hiring. Now, if you watch the episode, a ton of their guys are NFL players. And not just like guys that got a cup of coffee in the league. I think the lowest guy of all his NFL playing coaches spent eight years in the league. A lot of guys are like Deuce, 10. Hank Fraley, 11. Mark Brunel, like 15. Aaron Glenn, 15. I mean, these guys played for a long, long time. So his staff, and even Dan Campbell mentioned, I didn't necessarily go with the idea of doing that. But I, I think if you watch the guys that he hired, you don't go, ah, oh, this guy was just a meathead player. Like Mark Brunel, pretty intellectual player, right? Antoine randall I mean, the guy went from quarterback to receiver through a touchdown in the Super Bowl, like pretty high-level guy. You know, Aaron Glenn, DB, played for 15 years in the league. Deuce Staley, I, I can speak from experience. Stud, one of the best assistant coaches I've ever been around. And, and when I was with the Eagles, I was around like five assistant coaches that became head coaches in the league. So I, I give Lions credit. I am a fan. I'm rooting for them. Now I'm not acting like they're going to go to the playoffs, but y- you can see they're making some strides. And, and I do not think by any means they're just going to be some joke uh, as they. And I'm not saying they necessarily were last year, but whenever you draft number two overall, like you didn't have that great of a season. I, I, I could see them being more competitive this year. Especially in a division where we'll dive into the Bears here in a second, where I think a lot of people are anointing the Vikings. Like the Vikings offense has been good the last couple of years. Pretty sure Cousins threw like 35, 37 touchdowns last year. That their problem was the defense. So they hired an offensive coach. Everyone's like the, the offense. They score points. Like the offense has not been the issue with Jefferson, with Thielen, even before with Diggs. Like they're off at uh, Dalvin Cook. The defense got bad. Now, I know years before was Zimmer. Zimmer was a good defensive coach, but a lot of people, and I know Coward thinks the Vikings are going 14, 13 games. Is Kevin O'Connell just going to be the next Sean McVay? He might, but he easily might not be. I saw something that happened in Bears camp. Now, I had a front row seat with the Debo drama, right? He just kind of out of nowhere after a historic season claims he wants a trade. And it was, I I think we all, whether you follow the Niners or not, you're like, Debo wants a trade? Didn't the guy just become a superstar? It was a little weird. Now, ultimately, he didn't get traded. He got paid. I've been in about 10 Niner practices out there running around making sweet plays. Well, kind of. I mean, I wouldn't call. Debo's a weird practice player because what he does in games, you're not really going to do in practice. Like, he's not breaking tackles because there is no tackling. But it's just an easy guy to sign. But at the time, when he requested a trade, it was a little weird. And then OTAs happen and he's not around. And I give Kyle and John Lynch a lot of credit because they were clearly mad. Right? It's not not good to have your best player demand a trade kind of out of nowhere. But they ate it and they basically said nonstop positive things. Like, we're not worried about what's going on externally. We are going to talk to Debo one-on-one. The only thing we're worried about is our interactions with him. We, we feel that our relationship's strong enough. We will do whatever it takes to figure out and mend these fences. And it was just an impressive, ultimately, money talk, shit walks. The, the, the reason Debo's happy now is they gave him $58.1 million guaranteed. But Kyle was very, very good at mending the relationship. Now, he's known Debo since the Senior Bowl. But like I don't think Debo just made it up. Like Debo did want to trade. Now the Niners weren't gonna budge, but also like they knew that they, they weren't gonna publicly get into a spat with him. What what does it behoove you in 2022 with social media to get into a public spat with a player that you need? And I, I was scrolling around pro football talk, just looking for some things like what am I gonna talk about today on the podcast? And you guys know where I stand on the Bears. I I still can't believe that Ryan Poles said that they're gonna the AFC or the the NFC North is gonna come through Chicago like no it's not, it's gonna continue to go through Green Bay. Well, what the fuck are we talking about? And then they hired Uberfluss, it's just some head scratching things. Their offensive line continues to suck despite inheriting Justin Fields, but whatever. You know, you can't you can't build your team in just one offseason. But then I saw what Uberflus said today, impromptu. He said this when he got up. To the, uh, to the press conference after a practice without even being asked a question. Now, Roquan Smith, who is the best player on the Bears, has demanded to trade. I say that loosely because, you know, Debo did too. I don't even know what that means anymore, but he's clearly not happy. They're not on the same page. Weird stuff's going on. Puts out this notes app that I want to trade. Uh, I think he represents himself. He claims, you know, well, I haven't talked to the McCaskies yet. It's like, well, Roquan, give them a call. But ultimately, it, things are weird. Then the head coach—that let's face it—has zero equity. He's never been a head coach. He coached the Colts, who weren't even in the playoffs last year. Now they've had a pretty good defense, but come on, bro. Like you, no one's looking at you like you're Bill Parcells Jr., right? No one's looking at you like you're the next Belichick. So I, I do think you got to be pretty careful in this modern day time of what you say, because what you say as a head coach. Is so powerful now on social media. That's kind of where the players live, and things can get misconstrued because of the the aggregators and the bloggers, and it can just become a thing. It's why most coaches don't say anything. Honestly, it's back to Rodgers. It's why most quarterbacks don't say anything. I just don't think he gives a shit, which I really appreciate. Now, I understand if I was Uberflus or Ryan Poles or anyone with the Bears, it's I wouldn't. I'm not blaming them for being not happy. I understand being like, why is he handling like this? Now, he was medically cleared. means he's fully healthy. And he, at practice, did nothing. And Uberflus, who is a defensive coach, a defensive coordinator at heart, says he hasn't even talked to him yet. And he said the words of, what's the situation with Roquan? He dropped a, you'll have to ask him. Like, to me, he's starting to flex his muscles like it's Bill Parcells in 1991. I think that is a moronic tactic. Because back to what I said, this guy has zero equity. And anyone who has spent more than one year on the Bears, where a lot of their players have, Roquan's their best player. Even if he is mad, like shouldn't he be like, listen, this is somewhat of an unfortunate situation. I need to spend some time with Roquan. I'm going to do everything in my power to fix this. I want to get on the same page as my star player. Even if that's a lie and he intends on trading him. But when you drop a You'll have to ask him. That to me, like when we talk a lot about meathead coaches, that's a meathead comment. That That is a meathead thing to say. You see it all over the league. Tyreek Hill just pulled down his pants on a podcast and took a complete crap and dump all over the Chiefs. Given what they've meant to him, they how they stood by him, how they compensated him over the years, how they used him and created a star. Have you noticed... What Andy and Patrick had, and the way those guys have conducted themselves in regards to him, it, you know, it's it's all been positive. And, and the worst thing Mahomes ever said, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate. Like nothing bad. Hell, Kirk Cousins was asked about his relationship with Mike Zimmer because Ben Lieber said they hated each other. Kirk Cousins took the high road. Kirk Cousins is like, you know, I had so much success here. I've become a better player when I was with Minnesota. I, I won a playoff game with Mike Zimmer. Uh, he was a huge positive influence on my life and on my, on my career. When it would have been easy for Cousins, Zimmer's gone. Everyone blames Zimmer for being kind of just an angry old crouchy SOB. Cousins could have just crushed him. Said, "Yeah, he's a dick. He was so he was just he was not fun to be around." Instead, he went the opposite way. High level answer. And you know, we got Uberfluus here. Like you'll have to ask him. Might as well have said, like, yeah, I can't stand this idiot. I don't no clue what he's doing. I can't wait to find his ass. <laughs> I just, I don't get it. I, I feel, I'm not trying to overreact, but I, I've been following this team pretty closely since this group took took over. Feels like they're a little over their heads. It, it, it really does. It, it feels like they're a little over their heads. And I had heard good things about Ryan Poles. I'm not putting this situation on Ryan Poles, but I am putting Uberflus. Like that's the guy you hire. I, I don't know. I, I, I just do not. I, I think they are going to be so god-awful. But this is separate. This is, like, do you not know how to handle star players? Like, wh- what are we doing here? You're, you're the head man. You're no longer a coordinator. You're the boss. And that's, that's, that's a head scratcher. Allstate wants to remind fans that
0: mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is
1: subject to policy terms and conditions. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming!
3: They'll bring your new tires to your home or office and install them on site. Doesn't get much easier than that. Go to tirerackcom Colin to see their BF Goodrich test results, tire ratings and consumer reviews and be sure to check out all the current special offers. Great tires, great deal. What more could you ask for? That's tirerack.com/colon. Tirerack.com the way tire buying should be. Warning: This product contains nicotine.
2: Uh, I wrote down some things, thought I would just fly around the league. Uh, one thing you're going to see over the next three or four days of all these preseason games is like, is there a right or wrong way to handle this in terms of playing your players in preseason games? I don't necessarily have the answer. Uh, you know, I know Coach Reed, these his guys are going to play 15 to 20 plays. Kyle Shanahan said earlier this week, his starters are going to play. I saw Ron Rivera, 15 to 20 snaps. Matt LaFleur, no chance. Sean McVay, you couldn't pay Sean McVay. You couldn't pay his HOA fees for the rest of his life and his car payments to play one starter, let alone his good players. That He ain't doing it. So, you know, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer. I saw a quote, Patrick Mahomes, like, you know, I kind of like to get hit in the preseason. Kind of gets me ready for the season. Now, if things go well, you have a couple touchdown drives with your starters, feels good. I just know this. One person falls on your starting guard, your, your number two wide receiver the wrong way, and he misses some time, and he's out for week one. It is a disaster. Now, I guess I'm a little bit of a puss. I would lean the McVay, I ain't playing a soul. But I don't pretend to just act like that's a guaranteed thing to work or a way to operate. But, yeah, I don't know. It just, I, I'm fascinated by the way everyone does it. I, I think it's... I think it's very interesting, in and let's face it, kind of a boring time. Uh, I saw Mary Kay, who covers the Browns, said Deshaun Watson. This Deshaun Watson situation, it's just, this has been such a drag on the league. Can, can we just make some decisions? Uh, if he is suspended for a long period of time, I think basically assuming for the year, that the Cleveland Browns will switch into Jimmy Garoppolo mode. Now, I've seen Jimmy... I I guess every day I've gone to 49er practice. It's very weird. You you walk out there, and before you get to their practice fields, there's like this little side field, and he's always he's always right there with a couple little intern looking dudes just throwing balls. I mean, he's doing rollout drills. He's throwing touch passes. He's throwing. He just looks like Jimmy Garoppolo. So he, I mean, to the untrained. I mean, I was trained, but to just you know a guy with a media credential walking around practice. No, I've scouted a little of my day, so I he just he looks good. He looks normal. Now, Jimmy's good. You know what I mean? He looks like Jimmy Garoppolo. So he looks fully healthy to me. He's making throws. He had a good day. It was a couple days ago. they he was kind of like he was out on the practice field because he wanted to get do some red zone. and he kind of did these rollout drills. Now, ironically, when Jimmy rolls out in regular season games, it's usually not good. He throws picks. But in this when the intern, who's just there in shorts and t-shirts, just standing there, Uh, He was throwing some dimes. So, uh, yeah. I mean, if I was the Browns, like I I would land Jacoby Brissett. Think about that. Then you'd get Jimmy and Jacoby back together. Remember, that was the quarterback situation when Tom was suspended for Deflategate. I I saw that Commander's ticket prices on the secondary market are the lowest in the NFL. It, It really is pretty sad that you have this enormous market and this franchise that should just be a behemoth. Uh, it's just so irrelevant, and a, a lot has to do with the owner who has been historically terrible, uh, who has just a negativity surrounding him. Uh, the franchise, you know, Ron Rivera is a high level, well liked guy. Now you could argue just because you're a well liked coach, like the team's got to be good. But yeah, it's just it's just not going well there in uh, in DC at all. I don't really know what to make of this and I don't want to have some theory and something comes out that it was some personal issue. Tom Brady's going to miss like the next two weeks because of a personal matter. Now, Todd Bowles came out and said that they had agreed to this before practice. So this isn't like, at least based on what they're saying, it's not like his kid's sick or something happened with his wife or his parents. He, He claims that this was agreed about well before training camp even started. So weeks ago. I get it, like you're 45 years old, your priorities have changed, but I would say this is a little weird. As long as I take it back, unless someone is sick or something weird is going on, but they have said that is not the case. To me, if Tom Brady was going to... Remember, he retired and then he came back, and now he's going into training camp knowing... It's one thing to get like vet days off, like that happened. Aaron Rodgers, Trent Williams, like I mean, all over the league. G- Jason Kelsey, like I listen. You can get vet days off. I can give you a vet like three straight days off in practice. But just pick up and leave for two weeks. Remember when LeBron did that in Cleveland, went to Miami? Like it was a little bizarre. Now, now, I, I don't know. I, I just this situation it just feels like it's not quite as smooth uh with just the whole operation now I don't blame the bucks if Tom says he needs two weeks off what are you gonna say no of course you're gonna say yes but the Tom Brady that we've followed his entire career takes two weeks off of training camp now I, I understand he has, knows the offense and he knows his guys but I find it I just just feels a little weird to me I, mean, I don't I don't know what else to say beside that uh Nikhil Harry talk about just a disaster. I mean, he, I loved him in college. I thought he was going to be a really good player. He clearly is not. Uh, Belichick gave up on him really fast, and then he goes to the Bears and he immediately gets hurt. And now he has—he's out multiple months with ankle surgery. So, back to the Bears. I saw this headline on the Athletic that one of their players—like it felt like we had more guys in the uh, that are injured during practice than are even out on the practice field. So, Bears fans. Buckle up! This is gonna be this is gonna be a long year. The Broncos ownership. I was reading a little bit about this because I saw the video that went viral. If you haven't, type in Sam Walton, who is the guy like the ringleader of the ownership group, who is one of the Walmart guys and worth you know ten billion or whatever. Cuts a four point five six or six six whatever the final price was for the Broncos in his introductory press conference. He does not know Roger Goodell's name. He calls him Roger Goodle. But he clearly just doesn't know his name. And I was thinking, you know, historically, I bet a lot of owners, for the most part, liked the sport, like George Steinbrenner, uh, Al Davis, you know, Eddie DeBartolo, Jerry Jones. Like they like football. They Steve Ballmer of recent, like they love basketball, they love baseball. Like they buy the team because they love the sport. Like it means a lot to. It's like the little kid in them. They love the sport. And then once you start getting to the price points of like four, five, six billion dollars for teams, like one, not every sports fan. The majority of them might not have that much money, right? So there's going to be a small percentage of human beings that even have that money to purchase a team. What if this guy doesn't care about football at all, and they basically just needed a guy with a lot of money, and they didn't have that many options? Like, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. Now, it's kind of weird. His son-in-law, so Walton's daughter's husband, is technically running the team, going to be the point guy. So it's not even like the guy that doesn't know Goodell's name. It feels like he just needed a place to park his money, which if you're worth like $15 billion, you're like, well, what do I want to do with the money? Might as well park it into a team that's going to you know, net me, I guess not net, but gross me six, seven 700000000 million revenue every year. And just keep the cash flow. So it's not a crazy business transaction. But I think ideally you want your owners. Like if I'm a Bronco fan, I guess I'd be a little nervous. We went from an owner who recently passed away in Pat Boland, who football was fucking everything to. The guy was like one of the driving forces on the television deals historically. I mean, he was one of the stalwarts as an owner in the league. Beloved. Like, because, beloved, because football was, like, part of his interwoven into his soul. Like, are, are we sure? I, I don't know that much about David Tepper, besides he's a stock guy. Does he even like football that much? I, I don't know. <laughs> maybe. You know, you, you hope. But there's no guarantee. And it feels like more and more of the money grows, you're going to start getting some of these owners that just might not like football. Now, maybe the son-in-law does, but... I don't know. I'm just. I don't necessarily have like an overall take on this, but it's just something to kind of keep an eye on, you know. Now, would you rather have your owner that just is addicted to like Balmer or Jerry, who's just in your ass, or Joe Lacob every transaction, you know, who's like watching draft picks? Or Would you rather have a guy that's like signs the checks, just just get the job done? or i will fire you. I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer there. I, there's probably pros and cons with both, but doesn't know Roger Goodell's name. I'd say most people with billions of dollars would just know who Roger Goodell is. I mean, he—he he, that's that's the circles he runs in. Like he, he doesn't hang out with us poor. You know, he hangs out with billionaires. He's a member at Augusta. I mean, he—he he, he ain't flying United. So I, I I just thought it was weird. And last but not least, Ron Rivera, he claimed that there's an unfair narrative on Carson Wentz over the last couple of years of people beating him up. You know. And I'm just going to have to call BS. Ronnie was traded twice in 10 months. Twice. I guess maybe 12 months, right? March to March. Twice. Like, there's no unfair narrative. T- teams teams don't create a narrative. Teams just go based on what their interactions are with the player. Eagles are like, we got to get this guy out of here. The Colts turned on him fast. And that was, quote unquote, his guy in Frank. So I to me, there are no narratives with Carson Wentz. There's just a reality. In his late 20s, in quote-unquote the prime of his athletic career, he was twa- traded twice, 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 March, then the next March. D- that does not happen. I mean, it's, it's crazy. So there, there there are no such thing as unfair narratives when the results – to me, narratives are just words. I I don't care about words. I, I base it on results. Back-to-back teams punted on the guy quickly so I, I'm going to have to push back on Ron and say I disagree with that one subscribe to the podcast Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff in those DMs adios talk to everyone soon see ya <laughs>
0: Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions.
1: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears.